Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, John. Here with me today are Brian. Hey. And Alex. Hello. This week, Alex is going to tell you all about the many games he's been playing, and we are going to dive into some questions from listener Tom Z. But before we get to all of that, to find all the places you can listen to the show, check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. Patreon supports all the shows in our network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to Jason K, Tom Z, David O, Alan K, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks of joining the Patreon is to get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. Side Quests where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and work ethic and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. As always, we do appreciate feedback, which you can send to Midwest Gamers. We could even decide to unpublish this one before it gets to the main (laughs) feed, so it sounds like go join now. (laughs) As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on on your favorite podcatcher. Not our favorite podcatcher, but your favorite podcatcher. Do both. We could have the same favorite podcatcher. Yeah, we may have the same podcatcher. I use Pocket Casts on Android if anybody is on the Pocket Cast train. I'm an uh, Overcast it works, guy. works great in uh, iOS as well. Mm. I'm a lifetime member because I like beta tested it and like paid for mm. it a long time ago. Uh, and now I, I have like a lifetime membership, which is pretty nice. cool. Whatever. Until they revoke it for whatever reason. Yeah. So, Alex, any uh, bumpers for the network? Not really. Uh, we still have uh, the Horror Movie Yearbook show is on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment. A, a little uh, break that they're on as Tim warms up to life as 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 Daddy Longlegs. Um, but the uh, uh, we had a spoiler cast out this past Friday, which yes, we did. I don't know how you would hear this and not know of that, but. It's there. This uh, we talked about The Last of Us Part Two after John finished it in you full have, spoiler mode. You should have Willie record a quick intro to it and release it on the horror movie yearbook feed too. We could we could do something like that. We could do some cross promotion. I was gonna try and get him to do. I don't know if he picked up uh, Resident Evil Four or not, but it would be fun to. He probably has a better understanding of the differences of the game, the remake and the the older one. We could also um, so the, all play Evil Dead at some point. Yeah, we could do that sometime with those games. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Last of Us Part 2. We played it, talked about it, full spoilers, talked about what we thought it might mean for a second season of the program and how uh, how they might adapt it. And uh, I think it was a good discussion. So please go check that out if you happen to skip over it somehow in our feed. Do it. Do it. All right. Um, Brian, did you have other stuff you wanted to talk? I can't remember what you said. Not really. Yeah, I've just been playing the same three things I've been playing for the last several months. Destiny, Call of Duty, and no. uh, uh, Midnight Destiny, Suns. Midnight Suns. Maybe and, there were four things. I've been uh, playing God of War Ragnarok a bit, uh, too. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I'm going to hit the bumper. What are you playing on your Xbox or on your PlayStation or on your Nintendo Switch? What you been playing? I'm very, like, frantically looking for my mouse uh, 
transmitter cable to plug it in because it's about to die. But anyway, uh, I've been playing games. One of them is new, but before I get to that one, uh, I finished the Dead Space remake. That game is super solid, and anybody who slept on original Dead Space but likes horror and survival horror should certainly check that game out. Um, you were playing it on PlayStation? Yeah, I well, I played it on PC first because um, I just put 15 bucks down on uh, EA Play, whatever the hell they call it nowadays, Origin Access Play. I don't know. Uh, but I played a little bit of it on there, and then I was like, I want to play this on my TV, and so I ended up picking it up when it was 50 bucks uh, at uh, Best Buy a couple weeks ago, and um, yeah, it's it's so good. It's great. I have a disc, so if you want to borrow it, it's all yours, either of you. Yeah, I'll check um, it out. I'd be into that. It's so much fun, and honestly, like, it's... It's it's a game that got Resident Evil right after Resident Evil kind of abandoned what original Resident Evil was. Because around this time, Resident Evil 5 was coming out. It was much more of like an action game. Kind of a good co-op shooter, which is not something that people give it a lot of credit for. But um, in the days of the 360 and PS3, that was kind of new ground. But anyway, Dead Space, I think, did the survival horror right still in 2000 and eight or whenever that came out i think um and the remake does a great job of retaining things that make it feel like that original game but actually it turns out that they did a lot of work if you watch them play it side by side um the folks over at waypoint did a stream where they played both games literally side by side and you can see them playing through similar beats and every once in a while, they'll stop and wait for the other person who's playing the other game to get to kind of catch up or to like watch and see how they did an encounter differently. And it's a really fascinating way to check that out. That's all up on YouTube on their That's channel. That's really cool. Um, so check that out. Very cool. Honestly, I want to see somebody do it with, with Resident Evil. They're not doing it with Resident Evil for many reasons. But um, I think the differences would be less in, in the vein of Resident Evil just because it feels like I could be wrong because Dead Space feels a lot like Dead Space but Resident Evil 4 feels very much like Resident Evil 4 with a very nice and shiny coat of paint on it so um, but yeah Dead Space is great Resident Evil 4 is still great I said I was going to put it down but I couldn't stop thinking about it um, which is a good sign uh, and um, it's it's a very interesting game to me because of so much of it is just fighting against my instincts of like, I'm going to hunker down and kill this zombie and run away and keep killing it. Like the game is so good about sending zombies your way and being aggressive at the right times where you need to shoot for the knees, which is not something that I ever really did in Resident Evil 2 Remake. But here you shoot for the knee and then it gives you a prompt to like either stab him in the head with a knife, which will take him down, or do a melee to kind of roundhouse kick him or whatever. And that's just not how you normally had to play Resident Evil 2. Um, and so it's a very interesting change of pace. And also like there's so much anxiety about the inventory management in this one. Because this was the first game that had like an actual suitcase and like 
Tetris block sized items that you need to like you have to carve out space to be able to carry everything with you. So if you want to have your rifle and your shotgun and your handgun, that's a lot of space of your inventory. Um, and so the anxiety of like, do I have enough space for the resources that I'm going to pick up? But do I also have enough weapons to take on the stuff that I'm going to be encountering is constantly a question in your mind and stressful, but it's satisfying when you, when you hit the right balance. So, um, and I don't know, I mean, I've gotten to the point several times where it's like, I've drained a lot of ammo on several of my guns um, in an encounter, but then usually immediately right after you're picking up, or throughout the fight, you're picking up a lot of handgun ammo and things like that. So I think the game does a good job of kind of meeting out just the right amount of ammo for you when you need it, um, which is good. As long as you're not just like firing off into the sky like you're in point break or something, you should be all right. Um, but the new game that I played is a game called Tron Identity. I'm a massive Tron fan as fans of the film nerds and game nerds probably know. Um, and Bithel Games, uh, Mike Bithel is a, an indie developer, smaller developer who did John Wick Hex previously, which wasn't super well received. Um, uh, but they, they, they put out tron identity last week on tuesday and it is not um it's not directly connected to legacy in any real way like the visuals are very much born out of what tron legacy and tron evolution uh uh were styled after but it tends to expand on that stuff a lot too because there's just more of it and there's more ideas at play um but Tron Identity is a visual novel, and so what that means is, like, say you've played a Telltale game before, like Telltale's The Walking Dead, or uh, The Wolf Among Us, or, um, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, any of those Telltale games, Back to the Future, Sam and Max, uh, take those and remove any of the, like, walking around that you do in them, and just have kind of uh dialogue with choices and that's a visual novel and then on top of that this game has like a defragmentation mini game because you are kind of restoring memories to the programs that you meet and it's this you have their identity disc and it has basically what you can think of as it's a number and a suit like like cards basically but it's number zero through nine and you have to eliminate things by either matching the number or matching the suit. And there are different types of errors that make more of them pop up or shift around and mess up your flow and that kind of thing. Um, I like the game a lot. It's $15. I played it and beat it within four hours. And that's not, you know, I mean, that's that's an okay value proposition in my mind. And my and I don't, if you're not a, Tron, a, fan, a fan of Tron, if I could talk, <laughs> I don't know that it's going to uh, sway you into being a fan of Tron. I don't know that it's going to be your favorite game that you've ever played. But I do think it's a very solid visual novel style game. I think the mini game, the defrag game, is entertaining enough. I don't know that I've played enough of it to really feel like I got 
a lot of the minutia of the cool things that you could do, but there is an endless mode that does have a daily challenge on the main menu. Um, so that is available for people to play. But in the end, it feels like a lot of setup for a game that they're building to. Uh, I don't know exactly what that game is, but I know they're working on more, and I'm happy to give them money so they can keep making Tron video games. Um, because there needs to be more Tron in any form, and I will take it, even if Jared Leto stars in the next movie. Um, <laughs> Whatever so, it takes. What I, I, The monkey paw has curled its finger, and I might get a Tron movie, but it has to have Jared Leto in it. I guess I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> but Tron Identity is, is cool. $15.00. Worth checking out if you're a fan of Tron. Uh, probably not the best visual novel that's ever come out. Um, but I, I think people will find it entertaining. And I will probably go back just to experience more permutations of the story. Because um, there's some really cool things that are being built towards. And I'm curious to see what shape their next type of game would take. Because I feel like... It feels very much like a stepping stone to a larger game. It feels like something that they... There's not a ton of animations. It's kind of just like a lot of still photos and beautiful art and and a lot of words. There's no voice acting. It's a lot of reading. I somehow read through this game for four hours. Um, so I think, uh, I think people who like Tron will kind of know what they're getting into. And it's it's just fun. It's a detective story. You're trying to figure out what happened, and uh, I think uh, it's it's got a lot of interesting and cool Tron ideas at play. And I'm excited to see what they continue to do with the Tron franchise. But that's about it for me. Any questions, thoughts, comments, further games that you've played? Yeah, a couple things. Um. The first thing I wanted to say in regards to Dead Space is I'm pretty sure Ryan from the Gamma Foundation is a huge Dead Space fan, and part mm. of its imagery was an influence on our concept behind our album. Yeah, um, I can see that. Those of you who aren't familiar with the Gamma Foundation, it was a band of mine, self-promotion, shameless self-promotion. You can <laughs> listen to our EP on all of streaming platforms available, I believe. Uh, it's called Lewis and Quark. Quark spelled Q-U-A-R-K. Um, it was called the Lewis and Quark EP, but apparently you can't have that name through distribution on streaming platforms. Again, the band name is the Gamma Foundation. And the main concept was that uh, a group of scientists went into space to study psychedelics in zero gravity, and one of them was like a murderer and uh, killed one of the dudes on the ship. And the, one, and the dude who was killed, his consciousness was uploaded to the mainframe of the ship. And was then like uh, trying to protect his uh, girlfriend wife figure who was on the ship uh, still with the murderer dude mm. who was trying to seduce her but was mm -hmm. unsuccessful. Uh, very weird concept. We were uh, under the influence of some stuff. <coughs> it is, that figured... is. I mean, that is very dead space. It's different in several main ways, but I yeah. think it makes but it, sense. We were, like we were very influenced by dead space and Event Horizon and The Matrix mm -hmm. and like all of these like really great sci-fi things that we were big fans of. Um, so that is something 
if anybody's interested, would like to check out my band if that I sang like in. If you like the theme song to Horror Movie Yearbook, you should check out the Gamma Foundation. Yeah, or if you like Tool or Deftones or... Um, I've had comparisons to Incubus, uh, specifically Brandon Boyd's vocals. I don't get it, but other people seem to think I sound like him when I sing. I don't know. But uh, yeah, check it out. It's a fun band. And then the second thing I wanted to say about the Tron thing is... Like, I guess, like, did so have they, they verified there's a movie coming or like, it's where's like, that at? It's, um, I think it's been, I think it was, I don't know that it was full on announced. Let me see. It was under the name Tron Aries for a while. It's not it like Tron Morbius date. and like Jared Leto <laughs> isn't Morbius. It's not like it's Morbin time in Tron. I fucking hope not. Uh, Tron in time. The last that we heard about it was January 19th. uh, And it was that uh, Disney is in early negotiations to set Joaquin Ronning to direct Jared Leto in Tron Aries. And the film is Hmm. crewing up and eyeing an August start date in Vancouver. Uh, So that's not Joseph Kaczynski who did Legacy, which is worrying. And it's Jared Leto, which is worrying. And so... No I, Daft Punk worrying. Uh, yeah, Daft Punk has broken up, so they're not going to do this soundtrack, probably, unless it's what brings them back together, which in that case, it's all worth it, even if Jared Leto sucks. But, you know... Okay, so who would you want it to be if not Daft Punk? Uh, the funny thing was, I think back in the day, I said M83, and then they went on to do Oblivion with Joe, Joe Kaczynski, which was also a great soundtrack. So hmm. I think M83 uh, would also do a great job with the Tron soundtrack. Yeah. Um, boy, I mean, I feel like there were a couple other answers that I really liked. I'll take a Lewis Coltron soundtrack. How about that? Give me some <laughs> cyber funk. So I just want the music video where he's in like flashy gold light plants pants, just walking through the grid at night. This I know this this uh, this is going to be a little divisive here, but uh, Dead Mouse Dead Mouse Five mm. wrote a song mm. for the Resident Evil soundtrack for the TV show on Netflix called "My mm. Heart Has Teeth," and that okay. song is awesome. And I feel like he he could do some Tron. Like I haven't listened to any Dead Mouse really. Uh, if you like Daft Punk, you can feel the Daft Punk influence on him heavily. Yeah. Like he is very heavily influenced by them. Clearly, um, but he's also a little bit darker and a little more stupid. So like you might yeah. not be into it, but. I like that song from the, the Resident Evil thing. I've liked a few songs that he's dropped. I also think the band Justice could do some really cool shit. Justice with Tron. would be good. Hmm. Like I, that would be interesting to see. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about Tron is, I guess, like, what kind of game do you want? Like, what, like, what sort what of I game want. are you really looking for with a Tron game, or do you just want to like be in Tron? Like, if there was ever a game where I wanted an MMO, it's fucking Tron. Tron would make I would. I would buy a lifetime subscription to the Tron MMO, sight unseen. You don't even just 
Don't even put out a trailer. Tell me there's going to be a Tron MMO and you can have a lifetime subscription if you give us your DNA and I'll like, do it. Like, But like, I don't... what would the Tron MMO be? Like, I suppose I picture it being something along the lines of like No Man's Sky, but in cyberspace instead uh, of actual space. Uh, like, could oh, you imagine that? Like, that please, would be sick. Please. Like that. I mean, the crazy and awesome thing about Tron that Tron Identity does touch on is like, and something that, you know... I didn't know about prior to experiencing a whole lot of Tron, but how much of that series is about the undertones of religion? Because to the programs in Tron, users are kind of fabled and mythical people, especially in Tron Legacy. It wasn't so much a thing. I mean, it was kind of a thing in Tron, the original but touched more on in in Legacy because Kevin Flynn, who is played by Jeff Bridges, kind of disappears from his creation and from real life at the same time, and nobody really knows where he is. Man, I hadn't thought about it that way. Don't ruin it for me. Why? Why is that ruining it? Like I, I that mm. to me is one of the most like incredible things about it is. It's it's a it's a weird, more tangible sort of religion to me because people are real and they go and create things on the grid, but it's also kind of dark and terrible because it's almost like, well, if Kevin Flynn is God and he's just some dude that tried an experiment and it made this world inside of a digital land and then he abandoned it, that's horrifying if that's what God did. Mm. So anyway, this podcast is going in some very weird fucking places, but no, it's, um, I think you're going in a cool place, especially considering like all of the, the monumental uh, discoveries we've had with AI over the past couple of weeks and months, I guess, because one of the, I, I was just listening. I listen. I've been listening to the hard fork podcast from New York times, which is specifically about like AI and technology. Mm. And uh, one of the guys from there just did a guest spot on split screen, not split screen, sorry, triple click. Mm. With Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and um, what's Kirk his name? Hamilton. Kirk Hamilton. And they were discussing AI in video games and what that could mean. And so instead of having the quests like in Skyrim where you're running through the countryside and some random person runs up to you and they're like, oh, you're the Dragonborn. I'm here to kill you because you went down a specific quest line or whatever. There will actually be randomly generated quests built off of like the knowledge of the things that you've done in the game that otherwise wouldn't have been programmed and yeah. like seeing that sort of technology implemented in a Tron esque game. Like we may actually end up with real world Tron real because world. of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be incredible. That would be awesome. Like, I think well, that would be very cool, but I mean, to, to go back to your question a little bit, um, a lot of people really shat on Tron Evolution, which was the, the movie tie-in game that came out alongside Legacy. But it kind of fucking rules, because it's basically like a modern-day Assassin's Creed Prince of Persia-style third-person exploration game in the grid. Are there towers? And, uh... I don't know that there are towers. Can I, you I swan guess it's dive not, into it's digital hay? <laughs> I think in some way, probably yes. I, it's been a long. It's been probably I don't know, uh, eleven years since I played it. At this point, would be my <laughs> guess. But um, it's it's it, it might. It's not so open world. I think it is more kind of corridor, like level based type stuff. But it plays a lot like those games. There's traversal, like 
an Assassin's Creed where you're doing wall yeah. running and things I, like that. I know that. what you mean. Yeah. There's also fucking light cycle shit. There was light cycles in the online multiplayer, and it was fucking awesome because That's you sweet. could just fucking derez people with your light cycle trail. So fucking cool. So awesome. So honestly, like one of those with more budget behind it sounds great to me. I would love more of that. But I mean, honestly, the visual novel thing was pretty cool to me. I, I don't like I think there's so many interesting and cool things about Tron that would allow it to take so many different forms that I don't need it to be what I want. And that's kind of why I was happy when Tron Legacy or Tron Identity got announced. I never in a million years would have been like, give me a visual novel game. This is honestly like the first visual novel game that I've actually played. And I enjoyed it quite a bit because I enjoyed the subject material so much. Um, but I think there are Tron games that are very, like, everything is, you know, I've never finished Tron 2.0, but it's fucking awesome. And it's a first-person Tron game. That's where I would like things to head if they make another game. I just want more Tron 2.0. I loved that game. Shit, if they give me a Tron 2.0 style game with the legacy style visuals, that's fucking awesome. They should do that. Absolutely. Like, I, I think, uh, or even if they did Tron 3.0, because they are kind of two separate offshoots. They're not the same um, continuity. And identity kind of takes place in a continuity that could take place wherever. Like, the interesting thing that I never thought about within the context of Tron is that any type of computer is technically its own grid unless it's connected to like the internet. And so basically any sort of, it's kind of the, once again, back to the religion style thing or like the weird crit, like the, are we in the simulation question? I can't remember what like that theory is. You know what I'm talking about? Where like there's some sort of equation that people have run that means that it's increasingly likely that we are actually just in a simulation and we're not yeah, actually... Yeah, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, though. So there's a there's something in Identity, in Tron Identity, kind of says, like, oh, uh, this... I think there's a part where you, as a character, are looking at these artifacts that are in this, like, CEO's office, and they are facsimiles of things that are from the real world. And there's one of them that he looks at, which I think it's, like, a user manual for a computer or something like that. And he says something like, this supports the idea that there are an infinite number of grids out there. Because there would be in a world where, you know, like if in the 1982 Tron world where like the internet was not much of a thing yet in its current form for sure. Uh, there's all of these disconnected islands of different universes that exist in the Tron world basically. And they all could be completely different stories and things going on. And some of them might even know Kevin Flynn because they're based off of the NCOM OS or whatever, all the different shit that they that they made in those things. So there's so much. There's so much there. There's been two movies and like three video games in Tron. And there's so much there that we could I could fill up another hour of this podcast talking about all of it. Yeah. And it's all intriguing to me. And so I just want more. Just give me more. And I know that Disney giving people more of things has been bad for Marvel and Star Wars, but that doesn't mean <laughs> it has to be bad for Tron. And hopefully, you know, well, they, can, they can figure it out. I, that's this a market is a good that's sign not that flooded. Like, the Tron franchise hasn't been beaten like a dead horse. Like, Well, and the, the milk toast re- reception to Legacy 
was kind of torn under by their acquisition of Star Wars at the time because they were like, hey, we've got all this Marvel stuff that's comic books. We need like big sci-fi. Let's see how Tron does. It did okay. It well it did poorly financially, pretty poorly critically, but people liked the music a lot. And then they're like, well, we might pull the trigger on another one, but then they bought Lucas. And they bought uh Lucasfilm. And so right. they were kind of like, yeah, I guess we're we're just going to ride out the Star Wars for now. And now that Star Wars is kind of like, ooh, we we kind of made too many movies at once and we didn't really think about what we were doing. Now they're kind of like, well, let's revisit Tron. Sure, let's take a look. Let's give it a try. But yeah, um, they did kind of barf out a lot of Star Wars all at once, I suppose. Yeah, they. But they, they that's tried the thing to... like that's a whole other. We could get into that in side quests. I think. <laughs> like we can, whole... Is this an episode of the Midwest Film Nerds right now? Because I can play the theme song. We can. I'll lift it <laughs> out of this episode. No, but um, yeah, no, I I think uh. Disney's done a lot of crazy things, and I feel like the oversaturation of Marvel and Star Wars uh, is starting has has come to a head in a lot of ways. But yeah, we can talk about that on some other in some other forum. So, Tron Identity, check it out. Resident Evil Four Remake, check it out. Dead Space, check it out. All these things are good. Don't check out Marvel Snap. Fuck that. I love it betray now. you. It's great. I've become the horrible person that has a Galactus deck, so it's all good. I it's it's but, okay. I broke out of the thirties this this already this month. Like I'm nice. in I'm into the forties. Uh I I've built I built myself a Wakanda Forever deck mm. uh with Black Panther and all of his homies. And uh I made myself an annoy boy deck with all of the cards that annoy the fuck out of me. <laughs> and I made myself a uh sand electro deck where mm. you bust out Sandman and Electro and it basically paralyzes the other person into only using one card at a time, but it allows you to use all of your high powered cards your really six, early. Six power, yeah. Yeah. Nice. You can at least that if sounds depending cheap. Depending on how things play out, you can play up to three six uh, six energy cards in a in a in a in a match, in a and it's pretty awesome. ridiculous. Um, my Ultron deck is just it's it's my tried and true. Uh, I also my discard and my destroy decks are both great too. But I I just I still just I don't like the matchmaking. They need to fix it. Just make it completely random within the rank is what mm-hmm. I want. I don't want I don't want matchmaking with people whose decks completely are the opposite of mine or contradict me or like paralyze me. I don't like I don't want that. That's like, so weird because I feel like more often than not I'm matched with people playing a similar deck to mine. But I, that's the thing is I don't want to play a similar deck to mine. Like I, know. I want like I don't want and some it, and somehow they're playing all the same cards as me, but then out of nowhere they bust out a Killmonger and like I don't or have a super that card scroll or something. Yeah, you don't have and Killmonger. I don't, you have Killmonger. I have him, but I don't have him yeah. in the deck. Is what uh, I'm saying. Like I'll I'll be playing around. Like I'll be playing uh, my uh, my what my my was it which deck is it? Uh, my Sand Electro deck, which also has zero and. Um, ebony maw in it so mm. you start the round by dropping zero which negates ebony maw's paralyze function 
yep. and gets you 10 points right off the bat in the first two turns if you can play it right. But then they bust out Killmonger and like, mm. but they're playing the same deck as me somehow, but they just, yeah. they randomly have a Killmonger. Like, unless everybody just plays with fucking Killmonger except me. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of people do. I do with it's my- It's really fucking annoying. Yeah, um, I know. That's why I do it. <laughs> so he's, he's in my, he's in my Annoy Boy deck, but so are Hobgoblin and Kill- Green Goblin, because I Here's will fucking thing. put you in the negatives. Killmonger saw, I think, a big resurgence when Null came out because Null gets the power of any cards that have been destroyed. And there's so many people that are running like mm-hmm. zoo decks where you have lo- really low power cards that are getting buffed by Kazar and uh, yeah, Blue Marvel. So that when, like, it basically Killmonger can really fuck with those people and then also give you a bonus if you have Null. So there's weird. That's the thing. The meta of the game, to me, is hard to keep track of as somebody who has a child and can't just know life Marvel Snap for all of my time every day. Um, oh, I, I that's, how like... I get, that's how I get Eloisa to go to sleep, is I sit <laughs> in the chair with her in my lap, and I play Marvel Snap until she passes out, and then I put her in the crib. <laughs> there you go. Why? It's, it's the only thing, like, she, seriously, she does not, she will not, she freaks out when we don't, like, if I try to put her when to you bed. you don't play Marvel Snap. So I, the only way to get her to, like, last night it, it happened, like, Megan couldn't get her to relax, and she's like, you, you got to take over. I'm like, okay. So I pick her up, wrap her in her blanket like a burrito, sit her on my lap, <laughs> and I bust out Marvel Snap in my right hand. I got her on my left arm. I got music playing in the background, and I'm just playing Marvel Snap. And she, like, every round that I start, when it goes to the screen before it flashes the opening, like, the locations, mm-hmm. she goes, here we go. Like, cause that's how I used to like, I would say to her when I'm playing, I'm like, here we go. You know, I'd start the round that way. So now she does it every time. And then when she doesn't say, here we go, that's how you I know. know she's ready for bed. Nice. So nice. that's how, that's how I know life Marvel snap. <laughs> well, I still feel like it's, it's just not possible to spend the time to understand the meta on the level where you can know why cards are coming back and why the cards you don't have are the most important thing right now. And so it's just crazy to see what like people blending meta though, between decks, like, you know, you'll have, you'll have like the Wakanda deck where you got uh Shuri, Shuri and, you've, and yeah. you have uh Wong and you have uh black Panther. And then they're blending that with like some fucking other crazy ass Odin bullshit like from like six events ago like I mean it's just See, like but then that also like you know that can be done in by like uh by like uh fucking rogue Cosmo and well Cosmo and rogue and um Shang-Chi like all of those like that's the thing is you can kind of counter program the meta in some ways and then you kind of almost end up getting lucky if you can do it you yeah, know, like, but, but I just, I really would, I would like, if if not, like, ranked, like, just give me an unranked, like, casual, fully randomized, like, 100%. If, if think, you want to have ranked mode and you fuck with people with ranked mode as a developer by pairing them up against people with similar decks or pairing them up against people who are like the complete opposite or whatever you're you're skewing the locations to a specific player's deck or whatever that's fine whatever cheat all you want like that as a developer that's really mean of you but whatever but give me a mode that is purely random a hundred percent random 
so that sometimes when I'm playing, I am destroying people and it's fun. And then other times I'm getting destroyed, but I'm learning shit by the people destroying me, you know, because yeah. now it does. I don't feel like I'm learning anything. I feel like the game is cheating me. Yeah. And and that's that's not fun. I'm, I don't find that fun. I actually reach points of frustration with this game where I'm like, I'm going to have to buy a new phone because I'm going to throw this one through the television. <laughs> well, don't do that. I um, won't, but I, I find myself losing my patience with the game, like, bad at times, where I literally, yeah. I, I like, angrily, like, slam my phone down on the couch and just, and, like, squeeze it really hard, and I'm like, I can't believe I just lost that round that way, <laughs> and it makes me so mad. That was always you with video games. <laughs> I know. I, I can hear mom in the background going, do I have to take it away from you now? <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's but, too bad mom and dad don't listen to the the usual the episodes. episodes. They only they only listen to the side quests. <laughs> That's fine. We'll leave that that diamond in the rough for them. Maybe someday when they get bored enough, you'll just um, we'll just have we'll just tell them they should listen to this episode or something. <laughs> then they'll hear me talk about being under the influence for uh, writing music for the Gamma Foundation. Gonna, <laughs> they'll hear me describe it and they'll be like, "What the fuck?" And mom will be like, "I don't even want to know." Uh, <laughs> They did put in their latest roadmap overview, which was March 20th, uh, they said, where's unranked mode? What is this tech deck test deck mode? We know that players want a quick and easy way to try out new decks or strategies. Since before global launch, we've wanted, we've been talking the about the idea of an unranked mode as a solution to this problem. But as we explored this feature, we found that the unranked mode comes with some not so great additional challenges. So we set out to reimagine what this feature could be, and test deck mode evolved from there. We're considering adding a button to the deck editing screen that would let you instantly hop into a, a low-stakes game against the computer. We're still in the early stages of concepting here, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on the new path. So, it sounds... I don't know. I mean, I wish they could be a little bit more uh, transparent about what the challenges were of unranked mode, because... I don't know why, like, I guess maybe they feel like there wasn't a whole lot of incentive to play it if they didn't give you rewards for it. I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, I, I, I get your frustrations with it. I think for me, I've just, ever since I got up to like level 80 and couldn't make it to 100, it's kind of just been like, well, whatever. I'm never going to fucking get there. It's fine. I'm just going to. I I don't even care. Like if I can, if I can get past whatever I got stuck at last season or whatever, yeah. are they season? Yeah. They're seasons, right? Yeah. Is that what yeah. yeah. If I can just get past whatever rank I got stuck on last season, I'm happy. And I'm already past that this season. I'm only halfway through the season. I'm like super pumped on that. Granted, I am. Uh, I'm one of those like uh, lightweight whales of theirs where like I am dumping money into this, but I'm not spending any of my own real money. I'm only spending the Google credits I make filling out surveys for <laughs> Google. So I, yeah, I still only have purchased like the the season pass each month, which to yeah, me, me is too. Like, but I I've spent like fifty dollars at this point. Yeah, I, I purchased nothing. I could have spent that fifty dollars on on like audiobooks or something a little more like <laughs> beneficial edifying yeah hey you well, know what? If, it, if it helps put my daughter to sleep at night i'm all for it <laughs> it's worth it there you go there you every go. penny what are you gonna say brian i've dabbled in it casually in the last couple weeks again 
since you guys talk about it all the damn time. <laughs> and I then think, I, yeah, I, I poke around in day. the Discord channel once in a while, and I see the ridiculousness going on. I'm like, oh, wow. So, Do you, are you playing on your phone or are you playing on your iPad? I play on the computer, actually. Oh, it, it looks great on the iPad, actually. Like, I, I did fire up mine on my iPad, and it has cross-progression. Okay, uh, I figured so as I'm, much. Yeah, so, well, because I'm playing through my Google account. Yep. So I just logged in with my Google account, and it has my season pass and everything, like, unlocked and, and all that yeah. shit. So that's, that's pretty cool. two Google accounts, so, like, one time I, I logged in on the wrong one when I reinstalled Windows and mm. stuff. And then I had to like uninstall the game and delete all the files and reinstall <laughs> it because I couldn't figure out how to log out and log back into the other one. It's like, that's not possible. Oversight. Yeah. That's weird. Um, but yeah, uh, I do have it installed on the iPad. Like I put it on there when I was more into it last year, I guess it was at this point. I don't know. It's been out for a while, hasn't it? Since October was the global launch, but they did uh, they did beta for a while before that, I think. Yeah, I don't know. My experience with it is that I get cards so slowly that I feel like I can't really make decks that actually have like a strategy to them. I just feel like I'm just piecing together my best cards, or sometimes my worst ones, because I made like per i think alex's suggestion just made like a farming deck basically just to like level up the cards to level through the pass quicker yeah um so i just cycle in and out like the lowest tier cards but um um, what collection level are you at do you know roughly i have no idea what was the most recent card you got i have no idea okay well that's (laughs) helpful but I I kind of almost wonder if you're, like, maybe not even far enough in to have, like, finished thing. Like, there's a certain, there's, like, a sweet spot of, like, Series 1 and Series 2. Once you're done with Series 2, you should be able to make decks that can get you pretty far ahead. But I think if you look in our our, uh, private Discord, there's a couple, there might be a couple decks. Or I can send you... You should be playing a kazoo deck because I think that's all series one cards and um and it it's pretty reliable. You can still do pretty well with it. You're not gonna face anybody that has Killmonger because your collection lo- level is probably too low. And so they don't you're not gonna come up against that um that hard counter to that deck and it's pretty powerful. So you should you should play kazoo and um I can send you one that you can probably build or should be able to build very soon. And then honestly, like the thing is, is like the farming deck to me is only for when like you are really, (sighs) you're, you're, you're really like, Oh, I need things to upgrade, but I'm never going to have enough credits to upgrade uh, these more upgraded cards or it's going to take me a while. Like the farming deck is for when you're like addicted to the game and you can't put it down. Honestly, gotcha. you should be able to play as um, you should be able to play a reliable deck and stick to it in order to keep uh, progressing. Like you should be able to progress despite using a single deck 
just because of the way that the game will dole out boosters through the collection level. I have enough cards so, to have multiple decks for sure. Yeah. But um, Yondu is the last card I got. I'm only at 43. Yeah, so collection I... Collection level. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's the yeah. first season pass. Alex, just, what's your collection level? <laughs> I think, oh, God, do you want to know? A lot of real games came out, and I wanted to play those, and I don't have kids to take care of, so... <laughs> I'm so at 20, and I also hate playing mobile games, which what is why I play at? this on PC. 2394. I am at, as it boots up. The tiniest cell phone, so it's like infuriating to try so, to play a game on it. I don't even think you are, you, you're not even in like, the, you're, you're in the baby season pass that they start everybody with. Yeah. It's not, you can't even probably. pay for it, right? So you uh, haven't even completed pool one because collection level two fourteen is roughly the end of pool one. Two fourteen, Jesus! Like if here's the thing: if you look at your collection level and you see cards that it's giving you, like named cards, as you go through the collection level, is that what you're seeing still? Uh, yeah, I, I remember sure, those days. Yeah, so. Eventually, oh, yeah, you're going to get to cards. a point where every every uh, 12 levels, you're getting a collector's reserve. That's when you're like, so you're, you're still in like the like, you know what you're going to get as you progress. And that means that there's still a lot of cards for you to get to be able to even make those decks. But you're getting a card every four levels, right? Sure. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Eventually no, less. It starts every two levels. Uh, there you go. No, every, two every four. You're right. Every okay. four. I get I just, something every two levels. I guess. Yeah, I just got the sickest Hawkeye levels. variant. I don't know if you can see that Hawkeye variant. Yeah, that's awesome. Falling off of the building, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway. he's got fucking fighter jets behind him in the background. It's so yeah, sick. That's awesome. That one's really sick. Um. Yeah, Brian, I think the the problem is you just haven't devoted enough to it to get those cards. Like, y- you should be able to kind of rocket through a lot of that lower level stuff to have more cards to make an actual themed deck. I don't even think the deck that I was going to send you, you have all the cards for yet. I mean, even That's the, the simple, like you said, like the, the kazoo decks, the, like those are so simple and so effective. Like yes. You could probably make a variation of that, but I I don't know. Like, I guess what one... I go ahead. What I don't like about the game compared to playing other card games is I feel like the structure of how the cards are doled out makes playing opponents kind of like I don't know dull. Because you're playing opponents that have the same cards as you. So there's only so many variants on decks when you're in the lower tier like I am. Like, when I get higher up, maybe it'll be more interesting because I'll see, like, more variety. And I guess by design, that's good for people learning. But, like, when I play a card game, I kind of want to dive in and, like, kind of get to more advanced strategies quicker. That's fair. That's not this game. Because yeah, I think no. it, is, it is made for the like, oh, you like the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, here's an addictive fucking treadmill for you. 
and yeah, that's well, what that's, they're making. That's not me. So. I, I like the the gameplay loop. The game you just want as is far there. as like the six rounds go. I like that part. Like yeah. I like that it's quick. And there's not too much to it, but I just wish I was seeing more variety in like cards and decks. The game you want is there. You just have to get through the first two pools of cards and you have to get into series three. And that's when it starts being like, you know, John, like I just finished series three. John, you said you were at what? 2000. Uh, hold on. Uh, I'm actually 2404 now. I've been gaining levels while you guys are talking. 2404. Brian, you were at collection level 40-something? 43. I'm at collection level 3,994. Oh, my gosh. Holy shit. And here's the thing. That's the other thing, too. Listen. It's one of those situations where you're just playing catch-up with other people. Like, kind but, you're, of. but you're not like that's the thing is I could probably unless Alex pulled out his stupid Galactus deck like I probably could like battle him and do fairly good against him even though his collection level is twice mine so and here's the thing I just finished the third series of cards so I'm through pool three which is the one that's like the bulk of the collection ladder at this point is series three and they keep Dropping things from series five to series four and series four to series three and series three kind of keeps growing because that's the bulk of where everybody is at. And so that is where you really start getting into the game that you want to play. Brian is where there are different people that are getting cards at different times. And the hard counters a lot of times exist in series one and two, like we were talking about, like I'm pretty sure Killmonger's a series two. Um, let me double check here. Things things that are hard counters to a lot of stuff. You've got uh you've got Shang-Chi is in series two, you have Killmonger in series two. Um and so there's just a lot of opportunities to like be able to counter the people that you're fighting against. But a lot of those counters come from the earlier cards because that's gotcha. what everybody has. So you need okay. to be able to, you know, the, the the players that are lower on the ladder need to be able to counter some of the stuff that's up there. Because in, when you hit Series 3, you start to be able to acquire cards from Series 4 and 5 a lot earlier than, than some, you know. You can't even touch Series 4 and 5 until you're out of Series 2, so... Anyway, I wasn't expecting talking about Marvel Snap, but yeah, here we are. Yeah, it's level of nerdery that most people probably don't. It always seems to creep up. Yeah, yeah, it does. It was it like just, Destiny it... the first year that we <laughs> did this podcast. Destiny was like ever-present. Marvel Snap like festers for like a couple weeks, and then John just like <laughs> explodes about it for some reason, and then I'm like, no, it's actually good because I have Galactus now. I think uh, just, it makes me so mad. Phone. Yeah, John, a separate you need phone to... in an otter box. <laughs> well, I just I'll just start playing it. I have my uh my my Moto G stylus phone that mm. actually has like a decent screen on it. Uh and it has the stylus, so I could play with the stylus instead of swiping with my fingers and stuff, you know? Mm. Uh maybe I'll just use that one cuz that phone cost me like 100 bucks. And I wouldn't feel that bad throwing it across the room. You should just get a Kindle Fire in one of those like, on fucking Nerf cases that they give to kids. 
Yeah, you can spiral it like a football, and it's got whistles on it, like a like yeah. one of those. What was like that? A vortex. Uh, a vortex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, all right, we should get to uh, Tom's questions. I have a bumper. Read it. Listener feedback. <laughs> Listener feedback. Listener feedback. There we go. All right. Nice. Tom wrote in some questions. That's, the, that's for... the best bumper so far. Like that out of all of them, that is the best one. <laughs> I figured I had to change up the genre a little bit, and it was the first thing. So here's the thing. We actually use that song because um, our neighbors used to do Fancy Friday for their cats, which is just fancy. They give their cats fancy feet. That's the one day a week that <laughs> the cats get wet food. So we started doing Fancy Friday as well for Lizzie and Desmond. And I like for some reason, the first time that we did Fancy Friday, I went, this is Fancy Friday. And then it just <laughs> stuck. So apparently Montel Jordan is in my brain. Yeah. So you went from 90s alt rock hits to 90s hip hop hits. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> we can stay in the 90s. Uh, Tom wrote in questions for our 200th episode. I'm going to take them in reverse order here to give Brian more of an opportunity to talk because I know he's not really going to touch the first one as much. Um, so he kind of asked several questions here. I'll let you pick what you want to answer out of it. Uh, he said here, in the spirit of 200, what are your favorite games to play with others? What games can't you play emotionally without a co-pilot or opponent? What are your favorite sequels, the second in a series? And then the last one is if you had to pick 200 games out of a hat, what would be two of them? I don't even know what that means, but it's funny. So, uh, Brian, what did you did you think of any good answers for these questions that uh, that would really that really resonated with you? Um, yeah, the uh, games that I feel like I need to play with somebody because mm. I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> Uh, definitely the forest. I, mm. I am, I really want to finish that game to see where the weird story goes in it. But yeah. I like my co-op pals that I've played through a lot of it with dropped off. And, um, so I never finished the game because I don't like playing by myself Bummer. because dark caves are scary, it's especially scary. when you lose your light source. And uh, cannibals that are in weird shapes and forms are also scary. So are True. weird little babies. <laughs> and yeah, um, that game is super fucking weird, man. <laughs> yeah, I I really want to play the new one, but I don't want to play the new one until I know somebody's going to play it with me. Fair. <laughs> Although I have heard Sons of the Forest, that is the the new one that's in early access, um, does allow you to have kind of like AI buddies that will do things for you. Uh, that's but cool. they sound like a different level of creepiness. Like one of them is like a three-legged woman and <laughs> hmm. the other one's just called like some normal ass name. But he, I don't, yeah. Carl. It's like, I think it's like Kevin or something. I don't know. Of course Perfect. it's Kevin. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Those games. Pretty cool. Pretty Horror, creepy. I think, is a good place to go with that question because 
I don't need it. I mean, I made it through Resident Evil 7 VR by myself, but some of my favorite memories are sitting in John's tiny room watching him and Jason and other people play Resident Evil 1 on yep. the GameCube. And that was going to be part of my answer was just how much <laughs> fun we had playing those survival horror games specifically as a group. Like, yes. was a ton of fun. And even when nobody else was around, if it was just me and Jason playing, like it was yeah. a ton of fun. Yeah. So that's yeah. I, the the communal experience of those Resident, early Resident Evil games was something for sure, and honestly was only matched for me when playing like Slender and Amnesia with like the family video crew. Like there were t- there there was a good time there. And I think we played through PT together at one point as well. Um, but we would just get together and boot up a terrifying video game, and all of us would freak out when Slenderman appeared and killed us. And it was just <laughs> a lot of fun um, doing that. And I think that's that's probably, yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun to play those with others. Yeah, um, not so much for the creepy factor, but I also don't really like playing Valheim by myself. I love playing it with, uh, I played a lot of it with uh, Ricky and Jim, and it was a blast. But that's kind of because, and partially because I'm lazy about upgrade, like going through tech trees in those games, and it really helps to have somebody else around to help me with that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, kind of to really, coach, coach you through it. Yeah. To figure it all out. to Or or to like have people whose skill sets you need to compliment because you're playing together, right? And it would be yeah. helpful if one of you went somewhere else. That's kind that's, of something... I, that's the way like Nick and Gojo would play a lot of uh, Borderlands. And, you know, sometimes I would slot in there very rarely. Uh, that's also another game I don't like playing alone. Also, yeah. But it's not because it's not scary. I just find it boring to play alone. Yeah. Like, I bounced off of borderlands three so hard playing by myself but i'm sure i would have a great time playing with somebody yeah um pubg it's another one i've played how many hours of pubg now uh 546 at least maybe more that's my steam count but uh i would say battle royale probably 530 of or more of those were with people because yeah, I just, I don't really like the concept of playing battle Royales with just yourself is cool. Mm. Like versus the other 99 people, but it's not for me. Like I like to have somebody to watch my back while I'm reloading or whatever. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, that was, we we only played Dying Light a couple of times co-op, but that was a great game to play co-op because it yeah. was fun. It was fun to head out into a horde of zombies with one person watching the other's back while the other one is lock picking the cars or whatever. And like like that was that was a great time. Uh, and again, like we mentioned, the survival horror stuff with Jason was always a lot of fun. I have super fond memories of Corey and I like like tag teaming Metroid Prime Two specifically. Yes. Yep. Um. And then playing hacker mode multiplayer with you, <laughs> yes. uh, which we won't get God, into. That fucking game, that so fucking good. Bullshit. It's so good. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, just in general, like growing up, 
you know, down the street from Tom and them having a Super Nintendo and us mm. having a Sega Genesis. Like, I remember, I have great memories of going over to Tom and Pete's house and hanging out there and playing Street Fighter 2 when it first came out on the Super Nintendo and then having them come over because they wanted to play Eternal Champions on the Genesis. <laughs> like, there was a lot of that. And, like, just fighting games in general, like, there is... That the camaraderie that you gain with another person playing fighting games and doing cool moves and combos and like with Mortal Kombat specifically, like pulling fucking off fatalities. a fucking fatality on someone yeah. when they're they're, le- they're least expecting, like mm-hmm. some of the most gratifying moments in gaming history. Like, well, and you couldn't just fucking look up the fatalities on game FAQs at the time, you know, you you right. had to like have a magazine that told it to you or you had to hear about it at the arcade or some shit like that. But then you had to memorize it. Yeah. (laughs) You had to be able to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, lots lots of fun with that. I also, um, again, growing up, having like having Pete or, or Chris from across the street spend the night uh, at our house and like, you know, Andy and myself and whoever was spending the night, we would be up until, I mean, the next morning playing Shining Force and Shining Force 2 and just taking turns yeah. like yep. tons of fun doing that stuff. So those are the those are the kinds of games I, I like turn based strategy and fighting games and like that kind of stuff I think is great for having a co-pilot so to speak and then again survival horror is always fun like as a group I think so yeah I mean the only other stuff for me was like uh like I being the little brother oftentimes would not be the first to touch a video game but I still find myself playing games like Final Fantasy 7 like if I think about booting up Final Fantasy 7, there's so much that dictated how I played that game because it's how I watched you and Andy play that game. Oh, you mean like, grinding? Oh yeah, grinding Constantly. or like oh, you know, I got to go get Knights of the Round and I got to have Mimic and I got to do all these things so that I can chain all the shit together. Like that is like probably one of the more accepted strategies for fighting the weapons and things like that, but just being there to like I just sat there and watched it a lot of the time and the funny thing is, is that Willie and Zach had the same the same thing. Being the yeah. little brother who's watching the older older sibling play the game uh, was just I don't know that was that was a lot of fun at the time. Even if I wasn't, it's probably why something like Twitch is so fucking popular right now is because there's a generation of people who grew up watching their siblings play video games, and so now and then a just, whole generation of people who just need to have an older sibling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> someone to slap the shit out of him <laughs> yeah but more on yeah. that later yeah there you go um but yeah i don't know in terms of like favorite sequels uh i feel like there's like i mean titanfall 2 is apparently an industry-wide mm. favorite sequel that i haven't played yet the, um, the one like suikoden universally Suicoden 2 is hailed as the best Suicoden game I've played it once and I liked it but I did not like it more than one um and that might be just like a nostalgia thing um for me but um you know I think Suicoden 2 is one that's like everybody loves that game and you know Super Metroid Super Metroid is the, the second and like that is a great 
sequel to Castlevania I mean, Metroid Symphony of the Night. <laughs> yeah. No, well. isn't Metroid 2 on Game Boy? Metroid 2 is on Game Boy, and I think it is superior to the original Metroid, but honestly, like, I don't know. I don't know if I count It's the that. only one I've played a decent amount of. Assassin's Creed 2 is much better than the first game. Yeah, Agreed. that's true. Uh, the Division 2 is better than the first game in many ways. Um, I'm going through my Steam library, too, to like figure <laughs> this out. Far Cry 3 is my favorite Far Cry. Um, Fallout 3 is my favorite Fallout. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. There uh, are plenty of great sequels. Resident Left Evil 2. Left 4 Dead 2 is supposedly the best Left 4 Dead. <laughs> well, it includes one in a lot Payday of ways 2 now. is fantastic. Yeah, Left 4 Dead 2 is the only Left 4 Dead you need at this point. Mass Effect 2 was a massive improvement over Mass Effect 1. Half-Life 2? Debatable. Civ 5 (laughs) is better than all other versions of Civ. Uh, Portal 2. Portal 2. Portal 2. (laughs) Portal 1 is amazing. Portal 2, also amazing. In fact, you know, the novelty of Portal 1 might make it win out, but honestly, I think Portal 2 is a better video game. Oh, absolutely. Plus, it's got J.K. Simmons in it as Cave Johnson. It's also like two or three times longer. Yeah, that's true. Um, Which is nice. Oh, and the co-op mode. One of the best co-op modes I've ever played. Without a doubt. Hands down. Um, And Resident Evil 2, the original or the remake, both incredible. So good. So very good. Like Resident Evil 2, I've talked about Resident Evil 2 enough. I was going to list some old ones that I think are... Sure. Well, I mean, they're great. Maybe not. Well, no. Some of them are superior. Um, System Shock 2 is superior to System Shock 1, for sure. Yeah. Um, Doom 2, I feel like, is... That's another portal In situation. In some ways, yeah. Like, it's Doom like, wins because it's like a progenitor of first-person shooters in a lot of ways. Halo 2. Know. Yeah. Definitely Halo 2, better. Halo 2 had a backlash, though, because of the fact that you're not always playing Master Chief, I think. That's one of the ways that it made it, it better, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. that. I don't know. I only have a very shallow understanding of anything in the halo series so anyway yeah no i think a lot of good sequels out there um and then tom's other question he said since you guys keep reproducing and shit what are some of the games you'll you'll introduce (laughs) to your kids what kind of gamers will you want them to become do you even want them to be gamers are there games you'll discourage them from playing did we i feel like we talked about this but it might have been in a different briefly talk about it in in the last episode the the g goat episode specifically good night guys i mean you guys can take it from here i'm gonna sign (laughs) off I, I, um, I think, I don't know that I, I feel like, John, I think you, you got to say a lot of your thoughts on it. I feel like I ended up not going too deep into it, unless I just don't remember things anymore, which is I mean, I, I have more of what I could say about it, just in respect to, the, like, uh, I, I think the main thing I walked away from it was, was that I just want my kids to be passionate about something, yeah. be it video games or music or whatever. 
and leaning into that a little bit more. I just saw it was like a a YouTube short, which is YouTube's version of TikTok of um, two of the guys from Slipknot at like Knot Fest watching their two kids in a different band from side stage just and the two dads Corey it was Corey Taylor and one of the other guys from Slipknot were just like rocking the fuck out to their kids on stage and like sing like screaming the words and stuff and I'm like that's awesome that would be the sickest shit ever to have my kids <laughs> like on stage doing some cool shit and I'm just on the side stage just watching them just be badasses in front of a massive crowd that's ultimately my dream I think to live vicariously through my children as musicians but um, in terms of gaming specifically, if, if they wanted to pr- pursue gaming, like be it playing games somehow or making games would be even better. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to see my kids make games. So that's, yeah, that's probably the end of my thought process on any of that. For me, I don't, it's, it's interesting. I don't like, I don't necessarily feel as though I want my child to play video games just because I play video games. I would want her to come to it more naturally and in her own time. Um, which probably won't be hard considering all the fuck bullshit that I've got in my basement and upstairs as well with video games. But the fact that she tried to grab the PlayStation controller today, um, but, and this little gamer thing that we talked about in a previous side quest, but I think um, the the problem is is that I say all that, but then there's part of me that's like, well, I kind of would maybe be one of those parents that's like, all right, we're going to start with the Atari 2600. Here you go. Here's fucking NASA Moonlander. Good luck. And But then I feel like that's a great way to never have your child want to play video games ever again. So I don't really know. Yeah, the first game you give them is NASA Moon Lantern. (laughs) Or or (laughs) give them (laughs) E.T. Here, figure this out. There's no instruction manual. But But I do really feel as though there's some level. I mean, I think it's hard, you know, with the amount of YouTube and shit that's out there nowadays. And kids that they would meet talking about things. You couldn't necessarily be like there's something to be said about seeing newer graphics as a kid makes it harder to appreciate older stuff. It's the same reason that like I didn't really want to watch a lot of like black and white movies. I still don't want to watch a lot of black and white movies because I've seen color movies, you know, and you know, Brian doesn't really want to look at the still frame pictures cause he got to see the talkies. And like, I think um, it's harder to make people, you can't like make your kid appreciate something by limiting their exposure to the newer stuff. Cause that's just going to be impossible anyway. So I think that's kind of a fool's errand. I will say he asked, do you, are there games you'll discourage them from playing? Um, I feel like school is a minefield for fucking Roblox and Roblox can be extremely predatory in its and Fortnite can be extremely predatory in their monetization of the youths of today. And that would, I don't know that I would go so far as like banning her to play that stuff, but I would need to make sure that like, you know, you can spend your allowance on V bucks, but do you want a Fortnite skin or would you like to buy something else that's actually maybe worth buying? 
but yeah, I bought I mean, fucking I'm, I bought fucking Yu-Gi-Oh booster packs, so it's not like, and they're probably worth like thousands of dollars if I didn't open them up or some shit. But I mean, I'm know. pretty sure my kids are gonna hate other people as much as I do, so they're just gonna <laughs> want to play single player games all the time. That's good. That's a good way to do it. But yeah, so. Thank you, Tom, for writing in yeah, feedback man. at MidwestGameNerds.com. No, sorry. No, it's MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com is the feedback email. Um, wow. That was, I think we did do feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com, but that's way back there. So please write in with questions like these. So I have another reason to play the Montel Jordan feedback song. <laughs> and hey, you can write in about anything. We have a whole nother thing called a side quest where we just talk about random bullshit. Like how there's probably a gas leak under my house that makes me talk like a hick. So. (laughs) Just whatever you want us to discuss. It's all open. Not all of it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you know. But I mean, I'll pretty much talk about anything. John will talk really, about anything. I don't give a fuck. I don't, we might not publish it. <laughs> we'll see how this one goes. <laughs> oh, boy. I can talk about anything. Anyway. Anyway. That's it for now. Uh, if you want to find all the places you can listen to the show, check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You could subscribe for as little as $1 a month and and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at npn.bz slash Patreon. That's npn at uh, npn. I can't. I fucked it up anyways. I was trying to do it all nice and great. npn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to Jason K, Tom Z, David L, Alan K, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks to joining the Patreon is to get early access to our bonus episodes that we call side quests. This time we're going to talk about how much I hate other people. Um, yeah. And some other things too, maybe. Even us. Some food. I think I have food. I had something food wise to talk about, but now I can't remember what it was, but we'll get there. We have feedback from our parents. Yeah. My, my mom and dad had something they wanted, they, they wanted us to correct, I believe. We had context for something we discussed on a previous side quest. So Yeah. So to get those episodes a week early, join our Patreon or just wait for them to show up in the normal feed. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. There's a lot of games coming out in the next couple weeks here. Uh, specifically, uh, Dead Island 2 comes out next, this Friday, actually, which I'm looking forward to and would like Horizon to pick up. DLC as well. So. Yeah, I've lots, already lots got of good that stuff. downloaded. It's ready to go. Lots of good stuff to look forward to. So, look forward to that, and we will see you next time. Peace. <laughs>